Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. I'm your host, Paul Garcia, and today I'm speaking with the famed, legendary, and now recently retired journalist and editor for the Catholic Post, Tom Dermody. We'll be discussing his career, what he's learned, how his faith has evolved, his plans for the future, and hopefully much more. Tom, thank you very much for joining me today. Uh, I don't know about legendary and whatever else you said. I'll take number three, though. <laughs> Recently retired is accurate. But uh, thank you, and thank you for this opportunity uh, to to speak to your audience and to express gratitude that I feel in my heart for my career. I, I appreciate the opportunity. Of course, the pleasure is all ours. So you've served as the editor for the Catholic Post for 32 years and were on the staff since 1979. That's 43 years. And as you said before we began recording, you were in there for six different decades. (laughs) Yeah, that's what you get when you retire, (laughs) when you start in 1979 and retire in 2022. You can count it that way, sure. Right. So you retired this fall of 2022, and for over 40 years, you've used your skills to serve God in this meaningful way. Big question, how does it feel to look back now at all of that, at that long, illustrious career? I've had uh, quite an opportunity to do that over the last couple of months as the date neared, and I I had the chance to review some of the people I've met and the the way the Holy Spirit has worked uh, through my life personally and through the ministry of the Catholic Post uh, during my time there. And uh, I just keep coming back to how does, when you ask, how does it feel? It, it's just grateful uh, just because uh, I had the, the opportunities I had and uh, to be, I, I've always thought of the Catholic Post and myself personally as just kind of an amplifier. I do some music. Uh, the amplifier doesn't make the music. It just kind of passes it along to the listeners. And that's how I've kind of felt as a journalist. I've observed what other people are doing, what other people are writing, what other people are saying uh, about the church, about the Lord. Um, and I just kind of direct it to a, a wider audience. And, and to have that opportunity as a career has been some uh, has been a blessing and something very special mm-hmm. you're the amplifier you organize everything and you make it louder and more coherent for the masses that's that's how I have tended to look at it some people say as an editor you're a gatekeeper you decide what goes in you know what stays out and and that's part of it too but I think of myself more as a reporter than an editor because I've done that all through my career as well and it's just a chance I mean I could be sitting in a uh, parish hall listening to a speaker that may be addressing 15 people but has a great message. And through the Catholic Post, all of a sudden it reaches 10,000 households. So that's the amplifier part of it. So let's clarify, what exactly is the Catholic Post and how long has it been around? Okay, what the Catholic Post is, like any media, is evolving, uh, continuing to evolve. Uh, But since 1934, it has been the newspaper of the Catholic Diocese of Peoria. And it started out as The Register, is what it was called, until 1967, I believe, when Monsignor Robert Peters, who was editor for 47 years, I didn't quite make that, <laughs> I made 43, but Monsignor Peters, who, who guided it for almost five decades, both as editor and then later as publisher, uh, transitioned it to, well, it used to be part of the registered chain of newspapers, um, and we had national news and then our little local news stuck in it. It became uh, printed in 
in the Diocese of Peoria only starting in 1967 as the Catholic Post. So since then, that's been our name and our mission has remained the same, which is to inform and to form and to evangelize the uh, the people of the 26-county Diocese of Peoria. How that happens, uh, like I said, with any media is evolving. For the longest time, it was the newspaper. Um, and it continues to be the newspaper, and pray God that that continues for, for a while as well. Uh, uh, but Lately, uh, in the last two decades or so, as we've moved to the internet with a website and then with social media, with our Facebook page, uh, there's just other opportunities to spread the message, to spread the news um, as as we have evolved. So now we have quite a, a Facebook presence, for example. Uh, we have an e-edition uh, and our website, which is pretty much updated daily. So there's all kinds of ways, but it's still the Catholic Post, the, the, and our mission remains the same. In your reporting on happenings inside the Catholic Church at large and within the diocese, the local diocese, is that right? So are you talking about Pope Francis and you're talking about changes within our diocese? That is correct. And that, uh, yes, uh, because uh, what nobody else does, and, and our bread and butter, as we would say, is to cover the news of the 26 counties of the Catholic Diocese of Peoria, whether that be hospitals like the OSF Healthcare uh, system or our schools. We have 42, I believe, uh, Catholic elementary and high schools uh, that are always making news. Um, the, the parishes, the 160 parishes, all of them have events or uh, bring in speakers or plans of building. And so uh, those are, uh, that's our bread and butter because nobody else covers the Catholics of the Diocese of Peoria except the Catholic Post. Uh, in that way, uh, from border to border, Illinois border to Indiana border. So uh, that's our bread and butter. But however, uh, our mission is to let everyone know they're n- not only a member of their parish, but a larger diocese, and then also the universal church. Uh, so we try our best to, uh, through Catholic News Service and what is now going to be called OSV News, uh, to uh, give samplings of what Pope Francis is saying or doing or traveling, uh, and as well as the U.S. Council of Catholic Bishops, Conference of Catholic Bishops, um, and the, some of the nice, the, the good columnists uh, we, we sample in our, our paper. So, uh, yeah, we, we, we do both local and universal. Hmm. Now, I have a large question here, and maybe you'll have to answer it carefully. I'm not sure. But since we are talking a little bit about the universal church, the Pope, or the church at large, the, the Pope, as well as individual parishes within our diocese, you've been a journalist through or reporter through four different popes, unless there was a fifth in there. I'm not quite sure. I think four is accurate. <laughs> four. So it goes John Paul I, John Paul II, Benedict XVI, and now Francis. You've seen the church and you've paid close attention to how the church is operating and how these different popes are operating. Mm-hmm. So what can you tell me about any stark differences between these popes and maybe what you think about Pope Francis now? No uh, wrong answers. I know. So. I, I love Pope Francis. And uh, uh, and I think as I'm looking back, it's actually three, uh, not the four, because I was in 79 and I believe John Paul I passed away. Uh, I came after John Paul II's uh, uh, beginning, I believe. Um, oh, John Paul uh, II, though, uh, my goodness, <laughs> what what can you say about him? We've had the I've had the opportunity to 
uh, lead a pilgrimage in the steps of John Paul II in Poland through the Catholic Post. Uh, we, we took a, about 60 people on, on a pilgrimage there. And uh, my wife, Cindy, is uh, her ancestry is Polish. So that was a, a, a beautiful thing to be able to share with her and one of her brothers as well and her sister. So uh, John Paul II, such a teaching pope. Uh, and for so many Catholics, uh, so much of their life was, was Catholic life was lived under his pontificate. So uh, he's just such an example to, to so many of us and continues to be with his theology of the body and things that are just going to last for so long. Uh, Pope Benedict, uh, such an intellectual and uh, again, his deep faith and his leadership uh, had, had such an influence. And uh, Pope Francis, I, I have a heart of a Franciscan a little bit, and even though he's not Franciscan, uh, taking the name of Francis uh, has uh, meant a lot to me personally, and uh, his his openness and his his care for his concern for creation, his concern for the the poor and those at the peripheries, is just something that. Uh, resonates with me and, and my own spirituality uh, quite a bit, and uh, I love him a lot. Mm-hmm. Understood. Now, let's zoom back in a little bit, because you said you are the local guy, and you've actually opted. I've seen in some interviews you've said something along the lines of, you're more concerned with the local stuff. You mm-hmm. want to report on the local stuff. Why exactly do you prefer the local stuff over the larger stuff. <laughs> Cardinal Bernardine uh, used to say he had a, the church has a pres- uh, preferential option for the poor. Um, as the Catholic Post, we have a preferential option for the local. Again, because nobody else covers that. And those in the pews, Catholics in the pews, are, are very, par- and rightfully so, very parish-focused because that's where our, our initial education, that and the family, takes place within the parish. Um our mission is to give people a sense of the diocese of Peoria, that they're members of something a little bit larger, that the, if they live in Danville or Bloomington, they are somehow related through the church to people in Rock Island and LaSalle and Lincoln. And, and we do that not only by covering things in those various communities, but by getting the town and parish names in in other ways, too. For example, we have a Pray for the Faithful Departed part of our uh, newspaper where we list the names of deceased Catholics, and so that gets town names in, uh, in addition to the names of those that we we have lost. Uh, um, and any chance we get to focus on a, a different parish, we love to do that because uh, that gives people that sense of diocese. And, and that helps the church when it has uh, special collections for whether it be vocations or, or um, our annual diocesan appeal. It, it gives them an education that what they're, of what they're giving to or what they're being asked to give to, and, and it's a larger church. Mm-hmm. Okay, I understand that completely. So let's talk about your career just a little bit. How did it all start? To ask yet another large question. Uh-huh. You've been here for decades. How did it all start? <laughs> uh, I had a career day in high school. I think my freshman or sophomore year, and they said, well, what do you want to – trying to determine what you want to do. And uh, that career day, I, I said I wanted to be a hotel or motel manager. Well, how did it change? Well, it changed about the next year when I had Mary Johnson as my English teacher. And atop of one of – my essays that I turned in, she wrote 13 words that set the direction for my life. She wrote, 
You write well, Tom. Did you ever think of writing for the school newspaper? No, I hadn't, but I did. So uh, I started reporting for the school paper. The next year, I became editor of the school paper, uh, decided journalism was something that I could do and enjoyed doing. I went to Bradley University in Peoria um, and majoring in journalism, uh, became the outstanding graduate in journalism in 1979 and uh, knew that my faith was deeply important to me and a way to blend my faith uh, with my career was the Catholic press. So I wrote to Monsignor Peters, who we just spoke about, and said, is there any chance of an opening uh, for me to become part of the Catholic Post? And uh, uh, as the Holy Spirit would have it, uh, their reporter was moving on to a new place about the same time. And so a month before I graduated from Bradley, I had a job at the Catholic Post. And uh, that is how it started. And I love to tell the story, and I appreciate the opportunity too, because it tells the importance of teachers. Uh, and my we have one daughter, my wife Cindy and I have one daughter who is a Catholic school teacher in Des Moines, Iowa. And I, I just constantly think of how, how much she influence she has on mm. kids when I think back on my life and what Mary Johnson's note meant to my life. Right. And the majority of those kids that she positively impacts in these big ways, like Mrs. Johnson did with you, most of them won't tell her. But something tells me she'll probably get at least a few. I, I would hope so. And if you assume that 5% of the kids that you hugely impact will tell you about it, then you can safely assume, you know, that take that number times 20. And that's really what you're... But teachers are so underrated, really. They're so, they serve such an important role in every developing kid's life. Mm -hmm. It's unbelievable. They are such a tool for good. Wish they could make some more money. You know, <laughs> what do I know about all that? Mm -hmm. Well, I have a few more questions for you, a lot more questions, really. But first, before I start that, let's go ahead and give a quick shout out to a few local sponsors. You're listening to Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. Giving Tuesday. It's coming soon. The Tuesday after Thanksgiving. Won't you choose Catholic Spirit Radio? Keep this radio station broadcasting. On our website or through the mail, support Catholic Spirit Radio by donating on Giving Tuesday, November 29th. Help spread the word. Catholic Spirit Radio welcomes Morris and Joliet and their surrounding communities to our listening audience on 89.3 FM. Catholic Spirit Radio broadcasts 24 hours a day, has a listening app, a website with resources, and a Facebook presence. With news, talk shows, and prayer opportunities, Catholic Spirit Radio brings the beauty, truth, and genius of our faith to listeners in central and northern Illinois, now serving Morris and Joliet on 89.3 FM. Help spread the word. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. I'm Paul Garcia, and today I'm talking with the newly retired Tom Dermody of the Catholic Post. We were just talking about, uh, you know, how you got into your role at the Catholic Post, that you spent decades there, and you made a really big impact. And I want to ask, what have been some of your fondest memories at, of your time with the Catholic Post? Well, I think the, the start of fondest memory starts with people, the people that I've met through it, um, starting with uh, Monsignor Peters uh, and Albina Aspel, who were my two mentors. Uh, they're 
incredible Catholic journalists. They both were honored with the top award from the Catholic Press Association of the U.S. and Canada. Uh, they were both presidents of the Catholic Press Association of the U.S. and Canada. So I stand on the, the shoulders of a couple of giants, and they were, they were my mentors, and I miss them both very much. Um, and, and then, again, continuing with the, the, the people, the, the people that, I, that let me into their lives to tell their stories of, of faith uh, are, are the ones that, that I think of uh, that, that are, are blessings in my life. Some that have continued to be my friends, others that just kind of came in for that week and uh, continued on their, their way. But to be able to, to ask them for some very deep questions and let them share their stories. A lot of people, and this is understandable, uh, don't want to make their faith or, or their, their charity and their, their sacrifices public because that's not why they do it. Uh, but yet to tell their story is an inspiration to others. So uh, over the decades, uh, that's what I remember most is, is the, the people that are living extraordinary lives. Uh, they're ordinary people, but they're living extraordinary lives uh, in, in various ways. So mm-hmm. what's, who's one of the most extraordinary people you ever had the privilege of speaking to and reporting on? Uh, Mother Teresa comes to mind, but uh, <laughs> that's, uh, to say I, I spoke with her was uh, is a stretch. I mean, when she was here in 1997, I believe uh, uh, that was quite a quite an experience to be able to travel with her from the cathedral to uh, OSF St. Francis, where she thanked some of the the staff there for uh, her for taking care of one of her sisters. Um, but uh, I think when I talk about, I've interviewed a lot of missionaries, for example, when they come through the diocese, asking for, you know, doing an appeal at the various parishes, uh, and to think of how they've lived their lives and, and served in, in faraway places and be able to educate uh, our, our readers on the places where they are uh, has been something. I, I think of a couple from East Peoria um, who... Uh, just a, your ordinary couple uh, that became pregnant and learned that the, the child would not survive long outside uh, the, the mother's womb. And uh, um, they wrote, this is at the days when email was just starting. And they emailed the Vatican and it got actually to the Pope uh, and the Pope prayed for them. And I got to tell their story and how after the, the birth of the child, they had it baptized and, and they chose life for, for this this young this young child and they're just so brave and they spoke so well, even through their sorrow to me. And so those are the kinds of things that I remember. Hmm. Uh, Let me ask about those two stories. Firstly, mother Teresa, did you say a word to her? Did she say any words to you? She said two words to me. She said, happy Christmas. (laughs) So so I, but, but there's a a, a different story about uh, mother Teresa. If you have one minute, I would like to share it with you. I may spend some time in purgatory because of mother Teresa's visit. Uh, I, I, this is back before digital film. Okay. And, uh, if we were in a darker cathedral, you had to use a flash pretty much to get the kind of picture that you wanted. So I'm uh, after the mass that she had at the cathedral with Bishop Myers, uh, she handed out miraculous medals. She must have handed out a thousand miraculous medals. People saw it on TV that she was handing these out and they came and the line just kept going and going. So anyway, I'm in the front row and I'm taking pictures and uh, a security guy that was with her came over to me and said, your flash is hurting Mother Teresa's eyes. And I said, oh, I'm sorry, uh, I, I won't use a flash anymore. Well, somebody behind me, maybe like 
two or three minutes later, just a, a spectator said, I'd like to get a picture of her, but I, your, your position is so much better. Can you take a picture for me? And, and I said, uh, you know, I'm working. I really shouldn't, but okay. As long as you have the flash off of your camera. And, uh, she said, yeah, okay. I'll turn it off. And so she gave me the camera. I hit the click. The flash goes off. The security guard comes back and says, I told you. <laughs> so, so I have the distinction of hurting Mother Teresa's eyes, and I know that I'll probably spend a little bit of time in purgatory for that. <laughs> That's hilarious, and she was never the same again. Yeah, I'm just yeah. kidding. Okay, well, on a much, I mean, a more serious tone than that other family mm-hmm. that decided to have their child that they knew would not make it past mm-hmm. maybe a few days, presumably. Mm-hmm. What did they say to you? Was there anything about their response? Because that's quite the story. Is there anything that you remember from that that seems especially profound? Um, I'm trying to remember what they said, but uh, I can not remember so much what they said other than that they they had the, the, the faith and the, the realization uh, of the life within them. But uh, two years later, they had beautiful twin girls that are now in – Outside of college, I think they're both nurses now, actually. Mm. And uh, so they were blessed with with a family, and uh, uh, they're just delightful people, and I, I, I really appreciate the chance to have met them. Mm-hmm. So you graduated in the late 70s, I believe, if I understand correctly. And correct me if I'm wrong, we got John in the studio here and you, Tom. Uh, Archbishop Fulton Sheen was... Doing some big stuff at that time, correct? And was Mother Angelica? No, 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 no. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm right at the end of his life. One of the first uh, things I remember was when he died in, I believe, 1979 in December. Oh, um, okay. And so, yeah, he was he was in, in failing health. And I, uh, I remember Albina Espel, who I, I mentioned, who was one of my mentors, was uh, – uh, the feature writer for the Catholic Post at that time. And I remember the back page that she did, uh, Fulton Sheen. He never forgot the farm and talked about his, his life in El Paso, Illinois, and, and then in Peoria and, and told his, his story there. So that was one of the first big stories of when, when I got there was uh, the death of Fulton Sheen. Hmm. As for Catholics in the media, though, did him and Mother Angelica, I don't know exactly when she came about. We have a picture of her on the wall here at Catholic Spirit Radio. Mm-hmm. Did they have... Anything to do with your inspiration, your motivation to go into Catholic media? No, I, I have to honestly say no. At, at the start, it was more just my love for the church and uh, the blending of that with, with a career, uh, knowing that uh, if I could somehow uh, uh, use my gifts uh, for, for the Lord and for the church. Um, I was not, uh, Mother Angelica had not come on the scene yet. And I really was not too aware of, of Bishop Sheen and certainly didn't know that he was uh, from this diocese at that point. I was just a college kid. <laughs> so, um, uh, but I can say in the years since, uh, both are very inspirational. And now since 2019 to have uh, the the mortal remains of Archbishop Sheen two blocks away from where I worked, uh, every. I tried every day to drive past the cathedral and pause and offer my day uh, in his presence <laughs> uh, just to, to start the day and say, uh, if you can inspire my work uh, or lift my work, I, I appreciate that. So, yes. I wanted to ask about that a little bit. Presumably, you prayed about doing your job well quite often. <laughs> what did those prayers look like? How did you ask specifically for God's grace and assistance in what you were trying to do? Uh, uh, I have found that uh, journalism is uh, 
at least Catholic journalism inspires a lot of prayer. It also inspires a lot of humility. Uh, so, uh, I have a, a prayer practice. Uh, I have a 10 minute commute to work and I say a decade of the rosary on my way in. Uh, and, uh, I, my rosary is a little bit different. It, it's a, well, it's a disc rosary, uh, with, with 10, uh, uh, of the beads on it that I got from a Catholic men's march, uh, in 2009 or so. But it, it's, it's my little prayer aid. And on each Hail Mary that I pray, I have an intention and, uh, uh, whether it be my wife or my daughter as I, as I go along. So I have 10 things that I pray for every day on my commute into work. And one, of course, is for our staff, uh, the well-being of our staff and what we do to serve to serve the Lord. And obviously, before every interview or uh, before every uh, – editors make a lot of decisions. You know, what goes on the front page? What's the headline? How, how do you write the headline? There, there are so many decisions that go into the making of a newspaper. Uh, the – Often just through the day, it's, you know, Lord, uh, let me do your will with this. Uh, and, and I have constantly, one of my, one of my lines that I've used at my retirement luncheon that I will use anytime is that the Holy Spirit is the editor of the Catholic Post because, uh, there are things that happen that are unexpected. Uh, you think you have your front page set and then something happens. Uh, you don't know what's going to go in the columns and a column appears, a guest column. Somebody has, the Holy Spirit has moved somebody to write something that is just perfect for that time. So uh, the credit always goes to the Holy Spirit, uh, and I'm very mindful of that. So it's something like, Holy Spirit, guide my words. Holy Spirit, guide my decision-making. Holy Spirit, just kind of run this show a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. And and let, let me glorify the Lord uh, and, and serve your church as best as we can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Were there any... I don't know, philosophies or mantras, the things that you remembered when you came to report on a given subject, were you, did, did, like strategies, techniques, approaches to writing that you had that you would be willing to share with me. I mean, I consider myself to be somewhat of a journalist. I host a podcast. Mm-hmm. I am certainly not a talented writer, but I do engage in what I'm doing right now, the spoken word, the conversations between people. What advice could you give someone like me or an aspiring writer who also wants to do God's will? Mm-hmm. Well, the first thing that came to mind with your question was uh, something I heard from Monsignor Peters early in my career. And he's because the church has its own politics sometimes as well. And you you have people that align themselves in certain directions. And so he, he said, if you're hearing from the left and you're hearing from the right, uh, you're probably right where you need to be <laughs> to kind of chart a center course, uh, which does not mean lukewarm because we know what the Lord has said about those that are lukewarm, mm-hmm. but um, uh, more towards, and I think that's why I was able to have a 43-year career in the diocese through different bishops is because the pendulum doesn't swing too far one direction and alienate Others, uh, the, the the Catholic Church being universal is a wide umbrella uh, of people, and and so uh, to try to chart that that middle course, uh, being passionate where you need to be passionate, uh, and and being bold when you need to be bold, but not so identifying with one faction that you lose your your audience. So mm-hmm. that's that's the kind of thing that I took from from that. Okay, so maybe I could walk away remembering to hear equally and respectfully from both sides. Mm-hmm. Understood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. What's maybe one of the 
most frustrating times you've had in your career reporting? Was there ever a story that was especially hard for you to stomach or a person that was just really hard to talk to? couple things that came to mind, uh, the sexual abuse crisis, uh, stories on those, uh, especially, well, not especially, but because all of them were, were tragic in, in different ways. Uh, but if there's somebody that a priest that I knew personally that was accused and, but we had to honestly share what was going on. So, so you did report on these things. You didn't shy away from talking about a priest that was within the diocese who mm-hmm. was being accused. Mm-hmm. We had when to, did this happen also, just to give people a rough timeline? Okay. Uh, early 2000s was when it, uh, when it really came to the fore, uh, especially starting in Boston and spreading across the country. That was probably 2001, 2002. And that's when the U.S. bishops did their charter uh, for the protection of children. Uh, and it was right about when Bishop Jenke arrived in the diocese. So, uh, yeah, that was that was a very sad time. Um, and to some extent it continues, but the church has taken such steps uh, for, for the protection of children and, and the prayers for the sanctification of the clergy. Uh, I think more than uh, maybe other institutions, and then we don't get credit for that. But uh, uh, that's just uh, that. That was a hard, hard time in the church, um, and every now and then it creeps up again. And it, those are just difficult stories, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of people, I'm sure they, they. What a topic that is. So, you talked about other institutions not doing as much as the Catholic Church did. Do you mean institutions such as, well, as far as I know, by the numbers, this type of thing happens at the same rate with coaches? Coaches and athletics and high schools and junior highs and stuff? Public schools, that's one of the areas that I was thinking of. They just don't get the scrutiny. They don't get the headlines uh, that the church does. And in a way, that's unfair. But in another way, that's fair because we should be held to a higher standard. Sure. Right. Understood. And yeah, it seems that people who – it's the sick people that engage in this this child uh, molestation, pedophilia. It's not that the problem – and maybe you'll disagree with me here, but it's not that the problem lies within how the Catholic Church is structured in the rules and regulations, but rather it's just individuals who have this proclivity to be pedophilic are drawn to positions where they interact with young kids, especially without adult supervision. Exactly. So it's coaches. So it's even some teachers. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Boy, Scout Boy Scouts, leaders, Girl him. Scout leaders, and then it's also Catholic priests. However... Like you said, there's been a lot of uh, things put in place, rules put in place within Catholicism. And maybe you could say just a couple of changes that have been made. Because Mm -hmm. I'm not exactly familiar, but I do know that – well, anyway, I'll just let you answer that. Sure. There was a a training series called Virtus uh, that went into effect in – in the early 2000s. And, and of course, anybody that volunteers now for uh, schools in any way or parishes in any way has to undergo fingerprinting and training and stuff. It, it makes it harder to volunteer, but it also makes it safer uh, for, for the kids. Um, but uh, the, the policies that have been set in place once every year, and it's usually in June, we carry four pages of the policies and procedures of the Diocese of Peoria regarding sexual abuse. And so there's the education aspect too. Um, uh, 
it, it was a, a difficult time, but I, I think uh, hopefully, and I know, don't know that we'll ever put it behind us, but uh, uh, we're, we're safer going forward. Right. Agreed completely. We'll be right back to this conversation in just one second. But first, here is a quick word from our beloved sponsors. You're listening to Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. You're listening to Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. Giving Tuesday. It's coming soon. The Tuesday after Thanksgiving. Won't you choose Catholic Spirit Radio? Keep this radio station broadcasting. On our website or through the mail, support Catholic Spirit Radio by donating on Giving Tuesday, November 29th. Hi, this is John Hall, president of Catholic Spirit Radio. Do you enjoy our programming? Well, we need your support to keep the programming at Catholic Spirit Radio on the air. If you already give, thank you. We appreciate your help. If you haven't given, we need your help now. To donate, go online at catholicspiritradio.com. That's catholicspiritradio.com. Or mail your donation to Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykins Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. Or stop by 108 Boykins Place. God bless you and thank you for your support of Catholic Spirit Radio. Help spread the word. Catholic Spirit Radio welcomes Morris and Joliet and their surrounding communities to our listening audience on 89.3 FM. Catholic Spirit Radio broadcasts 24 hours a day, has a listening app, a website with resources, and a Facebook presence. With news, talk shows, and prayer opportunities, Catholic Spirit Radio brings the beauty, truth, and genius of our faith to listeners in Central and Northern Illinois, now serving Morris and Joliet on 89.3 FM. Help spread the word. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. I'm your host, Paul Garcia, and today I am talking to Tom Dermody of The Catholic Post, newly retired, longtime writer for them, over 43 years. Well, not over, but exactly 43 mm-hmm. years. Tom, we just left off talking about the incredibly heavy topic of the child molestation scandal within the church starting in two. Thousand, roughly the early 2000s. I mean, you said you wanted to say one more thing about that whole topic before we move on. Of course. Uh, in my position, I meet and speak with and befriend many Catholic priests. I get to tell their ordination stories. I get to tell their retirement stories. And I can tell you that the vast, vast majority of these men are good, holy men doing their very best and sacrificing so much to, to serve their people, their flocks, their parishes. And, and we are blessed in this diocese with, with quite a presbyterate. And I only pray that it grows and, and vocations continue to increase. Mm-hmm. Okay, that is an important thing to say. Yes, I, I understand that completely. You work, you have the privilege of speaking with so many incredible priests, and I agree. Mm-hmm. All the priests that I know are incredible men. They have served incredibly meaningful roles in my life. So it's important that we say that because sometimes the bad news just, despite how small it might be, not small in gravity, mm-hmm. but small in the amount of people that it includes or encapsulates, it just far outweighs in terms of headlines and what mm-hmm. people think about all the good that they do as well. So thank you for saying that. And the good that they do doesn't make headlines. Exactly. And and, and, and hopefully through our ministries, it it does uh, get out. But uh, yeah, the secular press is more interested in other stuff. Well, it's so interesting. It's psychology 101. It's even sociology. People care more to read about uh, bad things, bad news sells. Our alarms go off and we immediately turn to bad noises more than we turn our heads to good noises. We just like to hear we don't like to hear but we have a proclivity to hear about the really bad stuff and it's an unfortunate aspect of human psychology but hey it is what it is you know Mm -hmm. 
Right. So as we're moving on, getting towards the end of this whole conversation, I'd like to ask you uh, about a specific thing that I read about, and it's your collection of priest funeral homilies. What can you tell me about that? Did my understanding that right? That's how I read it. Okay. Priest uh, funeral homilies, is it homilies from the funerals of priests, or is it the homilies that priests give? I, yeah, I don't know that we have a collection of them, but uh, they are <laughs> they are available. On, a lot of them are available online, but that's just something that we started Oh, maybe a decade or more ago, you know, a priest would die and we would do the obituary, which tells where they served and where they, uh, you know, maybe they built a, a church or, or things like that, just very nuts and bolts things. Um, but we started printing at least excerpts from the homilies. And, and homilies, as, as you know, are not supposed to be eulogies. They're supposed to be on the readings. And But more often than not, the the homilist will share some insights into that particular priest uh, that that died, and so uh, uh, we we've been printing those homilies, like I said, for maybe ten or fifteen years, and it just gives a little deeper knowledge than a, a typical obituary one. And, and and most of the homilists at priest funerals are are picked by the priests themselves, so they are friends and they know something about them, and, and uh, it's just a, a delightful way to uh, remember. Uh, those and maybe educate a little bit more on those individuals for those that didn't know them. Right. And that's beautiful. I'm sure the families of those priests really love that. Sorry to make it sound like you had a shoebox full of this weird collection that you had yourself. (laughs) (laughs) But you seem, one thing we talked about before we started recording was your love for music. We really went into that deep. And I think music, if I'm not to sound too woo-woo about it, but I think music and divinity are closely tied. Why do you love music, and is that part of your plan moving forward as you uh, as you are newly retired? Well, as we spoke, uh, music is a big part of my family history. Uh, my mother was a parish organist uh, for 40 years in my hometown in downstate Illinois. Uh, just really gifted and shared the gift with... Uh, my six siblings, uh, many of whom have have gone on to in theater and s- things like that to to sing, and uh, my what seemed to be my gift was to compose, and I, I love to to write songs, uh, and probably have written at least a hundred in since uh, high school, uh, and uh, a lot of times I will blend faith with them. Uh, one of the, and I have been able to use it in the Catholic post a few times. Uh, for example, we're in the month of November, which, uh, all saints and all souls day starts us off. Uh, I, I composed a song called no more goodbyes, uh, which is a remembrance of deceased, uh, uh, that, that has been sung at many, at, at several funerals. Uh, but we, in the Catholic post, we invited our readers to send images and the, the dates of death, from the past year of, of people that they know that have died. And uh, for 10 years, we have done a video, uh, a music video that has a slideshow of remembering uh, those loved ones. And that was a real blessing to, uh, to incorporate that song with those images and to get to know something about the family and those individuals and let them share that with us as well. So, so anyway, yes, music is a, a, a big part of my life. And now that I've retired, uh, I've already started to make some more musical contacts and book a little studio time. And it's just a, mm. a joyful thing for me to do. Now, do you sing? Do you play an instrument? And when you say you compose, do you compose the lyrics alone or do you also write some music like well, for or the notes and stuff? Yeah, both lyrics and music. Uh, yes. And a lot of times they come at the same time. 
and so yes, moving forward, uh, I, I look forward to more opportunities to uh, to create. I, I, I love to create, and again, I, I credit the Holy Spirit for uh, anything that comes out of of me uh, mm-hmm. because I'm I'd just be a vessel in that case, and I, I hope whatever I write. Uh, whether it is something secular, some kind of love song or something, or, or something more spiritual, I, I hope that uh, it, it pleases God and uh, praises God. And, uh, but the, the creative aspect is just something I very much enjoy. Hmm. Do you think there's music in heaven? Oh, I think there are choirs of angels. Uh, yes, uh-huh. I, I really do. And one of the songs that I composed is uh, a Christmas song, a Christmas communion song called Like Shepherds to the Stable. And uh, one of the lyrics is, um, like shepherds to the stable, we come now to your table, believing choirs of angels have gathered here because you are here. Uh, so anyway, it, yes, there. I, I would hope, you know, we don't know, but I, it, I would hope that there, there's music in heaven. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a little weird and deep of me, maybe. But when I think of harmony, harmony is really as things should be. You could have harmony within a society. You could have harmony within your body, and you call that homeostasis. Nothing decays. Everything's working perfectly as it should. You live forever. You can also have harmony within audible sounds in the world. It's a weird thing, but you hear a G chord. It's three notes that are played at the same tone at the same time, and for some reason, it sounds beautiful. And then you find these other chords along the piano, and you're just like, wow, that's beautiful. Then if you play them together, it's even more beautiful. And it seems like you're slowly approaching this thing that we call harmony. And you're close, and that sounds beautiful enough. But I think there's an ultimate harmony. There's this ultimate perfection that we're always striving for that only exists when everything is totally perfect. I think that certainly if there's any audible sounds in heaven, it's got to be beautiful music. And I would think that since God created audible sounds and it is a a medium through which information can flow in the world, that there's probably sound in heaven. But I, I, I have this weird, call it weird if you want, this fascination with music because I think that it's one of the closest things to heaven that we can experience. Other than the Eucharist and the sacraments, I think music is one of the best ways for us to kind of get in this zone of considering and contemplating God. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know. What do you think about that? Have you ever thought about that? Or am I, I, I think that was very beautifully said and, and I cannot uh, find anything to disagree with. I, I also know that to sing is to pray twice. I believe I've heard before, you know, music is, is, is praying twice. Um, so uh, all I know is that it, it brings me joy and uh, I, it, it helps me to praise God. I mean, if I am at the piano and, doing a praise song it just is is a deeper way to pray at least for me it may, may not may not be for everyone but i find that way what's the bigger passion for you is it writing and reporting or is it music mm, good question uh, but they're, they're different um there are times when i've written a column or an editorial especially about something personal that i will cry as i'm writing because it is so deeply personal and i i hope i'm getting it right um and there are times when I find a word that rhymes that is just the perfect word in a lyric uh, that you just think, wow, where did that come from? But it, it's it's perfect. They're, they're different. Uh, I enjoy them both. I'm not going to put one over the other. It's it's Both have been a, a blessing to be able to have part of my life. Mm-hmm. Understood. 
Favorite musical composer, favorite artist. Oh my goodness, uh, <laughs> uh, this will be this will be interesting. Uh, anybody that knows me knows that I like Barry Manilow. Now this is gonna uh, just because I like how he arranges songs. They start usually just piano, and then they'll build, and then they'll have uh, this this sweeping key change, and then you've got the whole kitchen sink in the uh, in, in the arrangement. I I, I like that, I, and. Uh, um, so that, that's a, I get kidded about liking Barry Manilow, but if I don't say it, my friends will say, you didn't tell, you didn't confess that you like Barry Manilow. <laughs> so, uh, I am a fanalo, <laughs> but, uh, uh, anyway. Who else? Any other bands or anything? Oh, I'm a seventies boy. So, uh, yes, uh, I'm, I'm an easy, I'm not a rocker. I'm not a, uh, a hard rock person, but I am an easy listening. I'm a Dan Fogelberg who's from Peoria, for example. Uh, uh, I, I love his music. Um, uh, I, I was such a radical youth. I like the Carpenters, for goodness sake. <laughs> and so, uh, I, it, it's, I, I like easy listening songs and I love song, uh, Harry Chapin. I don't know if anybody knows Harry Chapin, not in your audience, but he was a storyteller singer. And his songs were usually too long to get on the radio. They were 10 minutes long <laughs> sometimes. And, but, uh, to be able, his words and his storytelling ability, the, those are the kinds of things I admire. Wonderful. Wonderful. I don't know who that last one was, but I'm sure plenty <laughs> of people, yeah, plenty of people that are listening will know who that is. Mm-hmm. Last question here for people who, like you, want to serve God with their skills, talents, and interests. Maybe people that are considering a change in their career path. Maybe young people who are looking to embark on a meaningful and holy career of their own. What advice could you give to them when discerning what exactly they should do? How can they be as satisfied as you were with their own careers? Well, before I answer that, I want to make sure I get in something in this interview. I want to thank my colleagues at the Catholic Post, Jennifer Willems, who is now the interim editor, Sonia Nelson, who is the advertising manager, and um, our graphics person, Shannon Resnick, uh, to work with them and to be a part of that team was such a joy. And, and the, the workers that came before them as well, I, I, I love them. Uh, but as far as the future uh, and, and other people that are discerning, uh, prayer is obviously the, the first thing to do. Take it to the Lord. Uh, ask for his will. Uh, it's just like any vocation. Uh, uh, start with prayer uh, and, and then trust the Holy Spirit is leading you. And uh, for me, it, it was it was just the, the door opened. Uh, the, the, there was an opportunity uh, when I had the, the chance at, when I was graduating that there was an opening. I, you know, you, you know, why did I pick Bradley? Why did I pick uh, the Catholic Post? It, in hindsight, you see the hand of the Holy Spirit. You don't always see it uh, when you're in the middle of it, but but things happen. So just uh, trust the Holy Spirit uh, and and uh, bring it to prayer. Mm-hmm. What comes to my mind immediately is that verse, if today you hear his voice, harden not your heart, it makes me think if you feel a little nudge, you know, the Holy Spirit saying, maybe you should consider this. Don't harden up. Don't tense up. Just go where it's pushing you. Mm-hmm. Don't stiffen up. You know what I mean? It's just like some whole, it's like if Jesus came and kind of pushed you towards a door, don't stiffen up. Harden not your heart. Go where he wants you. It seems like that's kind of what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And it could take some courage because it, it may not be the mm-hmm. safest path. <laughs> right. It might not make sense in our feeble little human minds, but that's when trust comes into play. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you don't have to chase money all the time. Uh, you don't have to, I mean, chase, chase the Lord and the Lord will put you in the spot where you need to be. Beautifully put. Tom Dermody, you're a good man. You've done a lot of great things. 
Your career is just getting started as far as I'm concerned. 60 is the new 40. You're about to compose some really beautiful music, I'm sure, and do many more meaningful things. But it's been a pleasure talking to you today. Thank you for doing what you've done. And thank you for coming on today. I really appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity, Paul. Thank you so much. Of course, my pleasure. And thank you, everyone, for listening to Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. That was Tom Dermody of the Catholic Post. I'm your host, Paul Garcia. God bless and have a great week. You've been listening to Catholic Conversations. Download our podcasts at catholicspiritradio.com. 